Hey, everybody, what is happening? Welcome back to the Marley Williams podcast. I am super stoked because today I'm going to be interviewing and having a powerful conversation with Barry Selby. Barry is a masterful relationship expert, best selling author, inspirational speaker, and spiritual guide. He's an expert facilitator and guide for singles seeking healthy relationships and true self-love. Barry is affectionately known by his clients and friends as the love doctor. And today, Barry and I will be exploring the intersection of relationships and leadership and dive into the power of asking for and receiving feedback from the people around you to make you an even better leader than you already are. I can't wait to dive into this powerful conversation with you today. Let's go. Hey everyone, what's happening? I am super stoked to welcome you to the Marley Williams podcast, where we will explore authentic leadership, transformational facilitation, and how to create epic experiences for your audiences every single time. I am your host, Marley Williams, bringing you thought-provoking insights, expert interviews, and actionable strategies to unlock your potential as a leader, facilitator, and speaker. Thank you for joining me on this journey of growth, transformation, and impact. Let's lead together. The Marley Williams podcast begins now. Let's dive in. All right, everybody, I would love to welcome you back to the Marley Williams podcast, where today I get to hang out with my amazing friend, Barry Selby. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Marley. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm so excited for what we get to talk about today. Mm, I love it. Well, Barry, I know that you you do some amazing work in the world, and I would love for you to just like kick us off with describing who you are, what you do, and maybe even a little bit of like what has brought you to the world of being a relationship guru. That's what I think of you as. Well, I appreciate that branding. That's much nice. <laughs> I wouldn't claim it for myself. <laughs> I can call you that. <laughs> Certainly. Feel free. I, no, I'm not going to stop you. Um, for me, I've been on this journey ultimately my, my whole life in terms of relationship, not as a business, but it's been something I've been aware of, just the way that I've paid the price in bad relationships where I've um, watched other people have good ones, have bad ones, that sort of thing. So for me, relationships always been fascinating fascinating to me. The reason I do this work really was the last big bad breakup I had back in 2006. So it's been a bunch of time was a wake up call that I couldn't avoid. Like she read me the right act. She was so upset and all this sort of stuff, but I got the gem out of that because in past relationships, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd either crash and burn and become the victim or I'd argue my way out and think I'd won sort of thing, which is what a lot of people do. I started playing the victim, but then I started seeing, hang a second, this isn't the first time this has happened. That's a big clue, by the way. What can I do with this? And that led me into the work I've been doing for the last 15 years, 16 years. So I coach, I speak, I've got a podcast, two podcasts, and I have a book out. So I, I love talking about relationships because, frankly, love is my one of my core values. And in any area of life, especially in leadership that we talk about, to have love for what you do and love for the people around you is probably one of the best lubricants for success. Yeah, I love that so much. And I actually just sat down to write out my core values for myself and my business. And the number one thing, the first thing I actually wrote was lead with love. Nice. And, you know, that we were talking about before, just this idea of that, how how relational leadership is. Any type of leadership role that you have, it really is about how am I effectively managing 
supporting, loving the people that I'm working with into, you know, their own leadership potential or their own leadership journey. And so I love this idea that we get to explore today of like how to be a more relational leader, how to apply some of the principles of effective relationships into leadership. I think that 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 feels fun. I'm just like, ooh, let's talk about that. I mean, this is years ago now, first of the book. I don't remember what all the content, but the book called Servant Leadership by Greenfield. Mm. And that teaches about how leadership isn't about being in front, being on the pedestal, sort of being the boss of everything and feeling you're immune. It is, in fact, like you were saying, it's the sense that you almost lead by serving your people, your audience, in a way that they feel lifted. For me, it has to come from love. Because if you're doing it as a means to get yourself better off, that's also not a healthy way either. If you do it almost a way of, out of certain, like, again, servant leadership, service to lead, gifting other people with your wisdom, your knowledge, your guidance, so they become better and everybody wins. How we met was through a group about ethical sales. And one of, I think, our mentors, Marla Mattinson, who I think is an extremely relational leader, right? There's this idea of collaborative leadership. There's a nature of co-creating the experience together. And yet there's... There's like so much more respect, I think, that we have for Marla because of the way that she relates to people, right? Thinking about like as a leader, that question of like, how am I relating to the people around me? How am I witnessing them? How am I seeing their greatness? How am I creating, you know, a company culture, a team culture, an environment where people feel connected to me as the leader, but connected to each other and lifting each other up and raising each other up. And just this, like, I just think it's a new model of leadership that we're stepping into or we're moving away from, again, this like sage on the stage that one person has all the knowledge and wisdom to convey versus like, how can we collaborate and looking at the ways in which we communicate as leaders to either build each other up or break each other down, right? One of the things she does, which I think is one of the most courageous things is about asking people to give her feedback about things that they have judged her on or she feels she's done, where she crossed the line sort of thing. And in relationship, that's something, again, people don't usually do, but if you're willing to have, and I talk about this in my work, when you get into relationship, if you have like a weekly you know, meeting, relationship meeting, but not not to critique each other, but to just share where you feel you are and where you feel you want to be with the part, your partner. And to be willing to go there where you're actually saying, you know, what did I do that I crossed the line on or where you think that I did something where I judged you or I said something harsh where you feel I can get feedback because the real transparency of leadership is to be seen without hiding anything in a way. And most people tend to hide what's not pretty or good about themselves to look good especially in the dating field, God, <laughs> you know, but in business and in relationship leadership that way, same thing is true. If you can be in the role of leadership with your team, your group, and still be vulnerable and still be real so they can see you, even, you know, warts and all, so to speak, then it makes you, one, makes you more relatable, but two, it in a way gives them permission to be honest as well. And that creates more transparency with each other, which is beautiful. Yeah. And that transparency creates trust. Yes. Right. If we want people to trust us, we have to give them an opportunity to to do that. And I love what you're talking about of this, like, and I have some friends that do it and I'm, I'm currently in a new relationship and I'm like, oh, I really want to, my, my friends call it a relationship radar. 
where, you know, every week, I don't know how they do it every week, every other week or once a month where they're creating an intentional opportunity to check in with each other of like, what's working? What's not working? How are you doing? How am I doing? And soliciting that feedback, not just on like, tell me all the things that I'm great at. Tell me all the things that you love, which is something that I know I'm really good at. But like, tell me what could be better. Is there blind spots that I'm not seeing? And, you know, again, all of these things that we might do in a relationship, applying that to our own leadership. And are we asking the people around us for feedback? Are we saying, tell me what's working? Tell me what's not working. How can I do it even better? Right. And that is the only way we're going to learn. And I think so many people, I'd love to dive into this idea of feedback, asking for it, receiving it from this relational lens in order to help us lead more effectively, more intentionally. And why you think maybe, why why are people so scared of feedback, asking for it, receiving it, giving it? This reminds me, I, I mean, I've been in the seminar training business for God, since the mid 80s, so a long time. And the first seminar I took, this is going back in 84, because I did that seminar a few times, so I remember the practice. There's the whole thing about feedback. And we talked about negative, negative and positive feedback. And there's the idea that some people who feel like they can only deal with positive feedback, never any negative feedback. So, you know, they go in the morning, get in the car, they yank off the negative lead off their battery because they don't want any negativity in their life. And they wonder why the car won't start. So feedback is necessary for both, first of all. The second piece is, and this is another piece that talks about in that process, is people oftentimes will take one piece of negative feedback and shut down, collapse, run away, hide, all those things, because most of us haven't been shown that negative feedback is given with love. Most people look at negative feedback when it comes with anger or upset or rage or disownment or, or, or whatever those things are that are negative. So when we get negative feedback, we assume there's negative consequences to go with it. And so we don't want to hear any more. And so in the model, I talk about how, and this is the thing they talk about, it's like how autopilot on airplanes, when a plane flies from LA to New York, it's off course over 90% of the time because it's called course correcting because wind currents and everything else. So it doesn't like the plane doesn't suddenly go, well, I can't fly anymore because there's negative feedback. It actually learns from it. And that's the true thing about negative feedback. We, when we do share with our partners, with our audience, or, or get feedback from other people, negative feedback with kindness, with love, and compassion, there's room for us to go, I can work with that. I'm willing to change because I'm being encouraged, encouraged to grow, to thrive, to make a difference because of what I learn. Positive feedback is usually just frankly, just strokes. It's encouragement. But it's also, when we get it, it's wonderful, but it's in a way temporary. It doesn't last as long. Which negative feedback can be more usable when, again, given in kindness, love, compassion. So useful. Yeah. And I, I love that. And one of the things that I learned about giving and receiving feedback is that we can give feedback from our low self. From like, I suck. And so I want to make sure you know that you suck. Like, it's like, I'm giving you negative feedback to make me feel better. That's giving feedback from our kind of low self. We can give feedback from our high self of saying like, I see your potential. I see your greatness. I see that maybe you didn't mean to do this or say this. And this was the impact that that had. And I see your potential as a partner, as a leader. And I love this idea of I'm trusting that you have the capacity to receive that. Like I'm giving it 
not to baby you or belittle you, but it's like, I see you. And then we can receive feedback from our low self of like any negative feedback goes right to, you know, there's a book called Undefended Love and they talk about the broken toe. And the broken toe is like, we all have some version of a not good enough story. And usually negative feedback, we hear it as you're right, I'm not good enough. You're right, I'm not a good enough partner. I'm not a good enough leader. I'm not blah, blah, blah. And so we receive that. And that's what when we like maybe shut down, collapse. And then we can also receive feedback from our high self of, I know that I'm always learning and growing as a leader, as a partner, as a parent. And so because I'm always learning and growing, I can receive it from that place of, tell me, how how could I do this better? I want to be the best partner for you. I want to be the best leader for this team and company. Tell me, tell me, like, I want to know. And, and soliciting that, asking for it, right? And making it safe both ways. Like, how do you create that safety, that trust, that rapport where this is the way that we give and receive feedback in our relationship? This is the way we give and receive feedback with, there because there is a way to do it with love and kindness and compassion. And there is a way to do it that can really make people feel terrible, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The thing is also for ourselves, if we are willing to go into the world, and this is the thing with driving a car or doing anything, you can look at what's around you and either judge and blame yourself for doing something wrong or blame and judge what they're doing, which is the lower self. Or you can just go, oh, hang on, that that red light I'm supposed to stop for because it's safer that way. I can learn from that versus going, I ignore all red lights and go straight through. Like, you know, that's not a very smart move. So it's that sense of taking feedback and using it for your upliftment and for your safety. And in relationship, that's one of the things, I mean, I've talked about soulmates before in, in my podcast talking about how some people assume a soulmate is going to make everything easier. Unfortunately, what we realize, I've learned over the years is that soulmates aren't necessarily making things easier, but they're going to make things real. As in that they give you a clear and unbiased reflection of who you are. Good, bad, or indifferent, depending on how you take it. But the gift yeah. is that they are doing it from a high place. So when you do see the issues, the challenges, you go, oh, I'm grateful for that feedback because I can do something with that. Again, use it constructively. Because... This this thing about how we grow, it's like we grow through grace or we grow through challenge. And most of the time, it's challenge that is opportunities for us. Unfortunately, we don't grow through grace that often because grace doesn't show up that often in terms of um, default. We have to work for that. But really, when we grow from the feedback, I mean, frankly, if you're the partner who's giving you feedback to encourage you to be better, they're winning too because you've changed, you've grown, and so everybody wins. So it's it's really seeing that it's a gift you're getting, not a curse. Yeah. Again, in relationships and also within your teams, your companies, your organizations, what are people's reactions or relationship to the word feedback, to giving feedback, to receiving it, and coming to this place of, I want everyone to win here. Like, that's the goal. That's the intention. And, you know, I've heard stories in books where someone had to fire somebody. Oh, it was the woman who wrote the book Radical Candor, which is really great if you are learning how to not be, I'm a recovering people pleaser, where it's like, I'm so good at telling people how great they are, but giving challenging, constructive feedback, it's been a skill that I've had to learn. And she tells the story of a guy that ultimately she had to let go of from the team because all these people were complaining about him. And at the end of the day, 
nobody told him because they didn't think he could handle it. And this idea, that's the like, can you trust the other person's capacity to receive it? And again, as a recovering people pleaser of like, I want everybody to like me versus I want everyone to trust and respect me. And I learned that if I just people please and I just tell people what I think they want to hear, people don't trust that and they don't grow and they don't change, you know? And so it's like, instead of being liked, you could be loved, revered, admired, respected, because it takes so much courage to give somebody challenging feedback. I don't even love the word negative feedback. It's just like, I think that we all, as people, as partners, as parents, as leaders, have blind spots. There's always things that we can't see. And if we're open to seeing it, and we keep hearing the same thing over and over, it might be something to look at. If it's a one-off thing, like, because feedback can sometimes be a projection from somebody else's reality. But if we're hearing the same thing over and over, it might be an invitation to for something to look at. And that like relational leadership is creating a like a, a two-directional conversation. And usually we think about feedback as like the leader is giving the employee or the coworker feedback. And that it's this a one-directional conversation versus the leader leading even before giving that other person feedback. And, you know, in in a relationship, instead of me going to my partner and giving them feedback, like asking for it, like that is such a powerful leadership move to say, like, how can I be a better boss? I'm soliciting that. I'm asking for it before I'm offering it to you. I create the container where that is safe to do that. Because I think it's like, well, why don't people give their leaders feedback? Because the leader hasn't given them permission to. Frankly, the leaders often are afraid to hear it because they don't want to have their own ivory tower shattered, so to speak. They believe they've achieved a certain level of success, and anybody gives them negative feedback might undermine that. Because, like you were saying earlier, we have wounds that we carry this that broken toe thing idea that we may not feel we can trust anybody to give us feedback that will add to our lives. We feel it can knock us down. And a couple of things I want to add to what you're saying: that the one of the pieces and it came up earlier is we have this tendency when we give feedback that's negative to say. Especially if you're using the, the you lead with good stuff. Say, you know, I love this about you, love this about you, but this, which we know with but is a deletion of everything that came before. So if you simply shift the wording to like, I love what you do, this and love this, and if you would change this, it'd be even better. That's constructive feedback, you know, constructive versus destructive. The other part is that when we give feedback, and this is a thing that I talk about in my work with, especially about when we're resentments and, and communications, is we have this tendency oftentimes to dump our responsibility of our own feelings on the other person so when we give them feedback about something like you know you made me feel this way is inaccurate but we think that way but what we say what reality is when you did this i felt upset then we take ownership of our feelings and even in feedback whether it's leadership or in relationship when we can distinguish that we choose how we feel so what happened our response or reaction to a circumstance outside ourselves as a partner or an employee or an employer we can say, first of all, it isn't them that did it to me. I chose to take a feeling that way. I can change the feeling. So that no longer affects me that way. And that shift internally can make receiving feedback and giving feedback much easier and cleaner. 
Yeah. And when we can own and take responsibility for that. And like when you show up late to the meetings, I feel disrespected. Like I don't feel like my time is valuable. And then like, is there a solution? Is there a request? My my request would be, and this is, you know, nonviolent communication 101 here. You know, my request is that you show up on time. Is that something that you think you can do? Right. And you can always say, are you okay? Is something happening in your life or at home? Or, you know, like, can we lead with curiosity rather than make a bunch of assumptions? Because I'm making assumptions that you don't care about my time versus like, oh, your partner left you and now you have to drop your kid off to school, which is why you're late or whatever. Like, there could be so many things going on. And can we lean in with love and curiosity? And I I think that curiosity is the antidote to judgment. And so anytime we're judging something, like judging someone being late or not showing up, it's like, can I get curious about that? And and I love this idea of really taking responsibility for your own experience and bringing that to the table. And again, creating a culture where that is a part of the conversation. That is such a key one. In fact, one of my pet hangups is, is timekeeping. It's one thing I grew up, I, I learned over the years and through some trainings, I discovered how valuable timekeeping is for, for basically for trust. So that idea of keeping agreements, one of the things I've said to many people, in fact, I had it this morning, I was supposed to have a Zoom call early this morning, and I was on the Zoom call waiting for 10 minutes, the person didn't show up. So I emailed him and said, look, you know, I appreciate next time if you give me a heads up that you can't make it on time. And that's the thing, especially with cell phones and texting nowadays, if you're going to be late to a meeting, if you're willing to say, you know, you know you're going to be 10 minutes late, text the person so they know. Because if you do that, everything usually is fine. Expecting you and sitting there twiddling their thumbs when they're doing something productive for 10 minutes. That idea about communicating and being in the loop so people know what you're doing. Because one of the biggest things that I think destroys the trust of relationships, whether it's business or romantic, is when we don't keep our agreements. And the challenge of the agreements, and I'm going to give you a little piece here, that one of the things about agreements is we tend to make agreements without realizing it, which is the biggest challenge. We'll say we're going to do something, and our partner hears that, makes it law, and we forget about it. We wonder why they're upset with us, because we didn't keep our agreement with them that we forgot we made. Making agreements important is a key one. Like, when you make an agreement, write it down, put it in your phone, make it do something so you know it's an agreement you've made. The second thing is, and this is a challenging one of people who are people pleasers, is make less agreements. Say no more often, because most of us are oftentimes going to say, yes, I'll do that for you, honey. Yes, I'll do that for you, sir, because we want to be respected, loved, appreciated. And sometimes we overcommit. So less agreements is one of the ways to not to negate that, but to make our trustability stronger, because then the agreements we do keep, do make can be kept more easily. Right. And I think that whether it's in a relationship or in the workplace, there's so many unspoken expectations as well, right? Like what, what do you expect of your employees or your partner that you haven't actually expressed? You haven't actually communicated. And they often say, you know, 90% of all challenges in our life are because of a lack of or a miscommunication with other people in our life. Like they heard one thing, you said something, you didn't honor that agreement, but you don't remember honoring, you know, saying that you would agree to doing that all of that and how powerful it is to take responsibility when when that comes up and there was something else that came up for me when we were talking about the feedback piece that I think is really important and I and it's 
uh, I know Gottman has done a lot of work on the ratios of kind of criticism and praise. And, you know, if like 90% of the time you are reaming on somebody's work or telling them like underline red, 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 like telling them how bad of a job that they're doing. So we're not just saying like, go give everybody negative feedback. It's the ratio of positive to negative or praise to criticism that actually allow people to receive that criticism with love because you also notice the good things that they're doing, right? Sometimes we assume that feedback is always negative. I think when you're wanting your kids to do more of the things that you want them to do, are you praising them? Are you acknowledging when they are doing what you ask them to do, or they are following through, or they are doing their homework, or they're they're doing their job well. And when there is that criticism, that negative or constructive feedback, it's way easier for people to hear that if you've also paid attention to the, all of the things that you love and appreciate about them. You know, the idea of giving criticism from a constructive place versus a destructive place. Because oftentimes we are upset with somebody in our presence of mind even to say, and before I give you feedback, let me go process my emotions with another key, by the way, is if you're upset, don't give feedback then. <laughs> Take a moment to go, you know, what you need to do to fresh to freshen up, release the energy, go and yell at the trees or something, and then come back in and say, okay, now I can communicate because this didn't work, but let me offer you some ideas that may make it easier for us. Because the thing is, that's the thing about feedback. Oftentimes we don't even give our partner or our employees or our, our leaders any clues of what to do next? It's like they're, they're talking about meanings. You know, if you come in with a critique of something that they've got lined up, at least have two alternative solutions. So the idea of being of, being, of bringing your creativity to the question, to the communication, so that the other person doesn't feel like, oh, I'm doomed because they said something negative to me. I have no way out. But if they said that we can do this or this as well, they go, oh, you give me ideas, there's suggestions. So again, uplifting because it's a great way of having a relationship with anybody. I love this quote that says, "A complaint." is a desire in disguise. So it's like, notice like the things that you complain about. If you complain about someone being late or whatever, then your desire is people are on time. Again, we can be problem oriented or we can be solution oriented. So what's the desire? What's the solution? Can you bring some of those things to the table? Like this isn't working. I'm wondering if we could together explore other options. Here's a couple that I've thought about. What do you think, right? And one of the things I know we've both learned from Marla in the world of ethical sales is consent. And I think that's a powerful thing in relationship and especially feedback is even just straight up asking, are you open to receiving feedback? Is now the right time? Are you able to receive this? And sometimes I've even said, hey, this is something that I'm working on as a leader is giving people constructive feedback from a place of love and that's really hard for me and and I want you to know that like this is a skill that I'm working on like and again transparency builds trust because it might feel awkward it might feel scary it might feel you know especially at the beginning like how do I do this and how do I do this you know like I'm just going to do the best that I can and I'm open to feedback on my feedback like how did that land for you or so I I think that consent is a key piece of that as well in our relationships and our leadership of asking people if they're open to receiving it absolutely that's the thing about this work is is it does translate from just the intimate relationships to every relationship yeah 
Um, what would you say when you think about, you know, you have been in this leadership space, workshops, seminars, speaking, what would you say makes someone not just a good leader, but an epic leader, someone who's exceptional at leading people through transformation, leading people and guiding people in organizations? What are some of the skills, um, the characteristics that you have seen in those that you admire and look up to and respect? Well, two that come to mind right away, and I know that Mana demonstrates us, that to us, and you do as well, is integrity and transparency. And they sound fancy words, but the truth of what it is is, is to be is to really know who you are. Because a lot of people on stage are talking about material that they don't really honor and own themselves. So being in integrity is like everything comes together in one place. So the other part of transparency, as we said earlier, is to not hide your flaws to not hide your growth edge, so to speak, you were saying as well, is is to not say up front, I'm working on this, please help me with it, but more like, I'm not perfect, which is one of the things we forget leaders aren't perfect because sometimes we think they're on a pedestal, they're the great people. We have the issue with politicians especially. But the idea of being okay with the fact that they're not perfect and then them being on the front saying, I know I'm not perfect, not in necessarily in words, but why they show is like, this is what I'm working on, this is my growth edge. You know, so I know that I'm in the trenches with you sort of thing. There's a sense of being together. So that's two main focuses. Obviously, you know, love for the audience, love for the message, love for your work. So it's all about the upliftment and expansion for everybody and being someone who's done the work. That's the biggest thing I've had to learn. I've said it, but then I'm now living it is to always, if, if you're a coach, have a coach that works for you as well. So you're not just thinking, because the thing is, this came up in a conversation years ago about how when we're climbing on the journey of growth, we have two hands. One to help the people below us, and one to be helped by those above us. When we're a coach or a leader, know there's always somebody above us we can learn from and be a student of too. Because really, if we think there's nobody above us, in a way, we've failed our people below us, you know? Yeah. And that, you know, someone who's growth oriented. And that's one of the things that I love about leadership. The, the thing I love about this podcast is like, it's an opportunity for me to continue to learn and grow as a leader and to say, I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it figured out. And there's always someone that can help me. And there's always someone that I can help along their journey. And there's no destination to get to. It's really a journey and an exploration of, I love what you said, integrity and transparency. And that integrity piece is really about cultivating like so much self-awareness. Like I know who I am. I know my flaws. I know where I'm exceptional. I know where my growth edge is. And integrity is, you know, doing the work, being a student of the work, being a steward of the work, and then like guiding people. We often teach what we most need to learn, right? Like you as being a relationship expert, you're like, yeah, I went through this experience and did a deep dive into like how to have better relationships. Like, I don't ever want to have that, that experience again. What can I do? How can I grow? How can I learn? And now it's how can I teach others what I've learned along that journey? So it's not about being perfect. And that that level of transparency, what, what do you think gets in the way of people being more transparent in their leadership? Part of it is I don't think they they believe that people would trust them if they have flaws. But the other part also is that, I think you said this too, but I know it's one of my things that I had along the way, because one of my things I talk about a lot in my work, because I've been single since 2006, 
is that I get to talk about relationships having been single for the last 17, 17 years, Jesus. And so there's a part of me that when people ask me, like, how can you be teaching this stuff if you're not in one? It's like I've been in plenty, but I've been studying and been learning on working on myself for the last bunch of years. And that's the biggest part of my work is every relationship, both partners need to be working on themselves, same as leaders too. So what you said is absolutely right on, is that being growth oriented and being in the journey is what makes us better teachers. And, you know, this like the, the, the quote from uh, from Buckaroo Banzai, like, you know, doesn't matter where you go, there you are. There is no, there's no there there. You're always in the process. You don't get to a destination and stop. And for me, I know that with this work, that yes, I'll be in relationship at some point. I'm not attached to one because the work is so important to me that that fills my life. But the thing is, I don't have to wait till I get there to do what I'm doing. And that's that's where the, where the joy is. I get to serve and inspire other people along the journey who maybe don't have as much understanding experience that I have that I can share with them. That's the part of this. When we do the work, it's one of the biggest gifts too, is when we get to share with other people, we learn the work at another level. Yeah. When we teach it, then we're learning it in a, yeah, in a whole new way. And, you know, I think that the greatest gift that I believe that we can give ourselves as partners, as parents, as leaders is growing ourselves, nurturing ourselves, learning about ourselves, discovering the things that light us up, that bring us joy, looking at the patterns. You know, I've been in relationships that weren't aligned, that were extremely challenging, both work relationships and personal relationships, and looking at those not as failures, but as really big invitations for learning and growth. I'm reading a book right now called Unreasonable Hospitality. It's so good. I love the word unreasonable. He had a quote in there that his dad told him, don't waste adversity. Don't waste adversity. Like when you are given those challenges, whether that the relational, like, you know, as a leader, like we're going to face challenges in the workplace, in our life. As an entrepreneur, you're going to come up against your own. It's like being an entrepreneur is your own personal development journey in and of itself. All the self-doubt and all the noise and all the adversities of why aren't people signing up for this or why isn't this working? And this idea of instead of judging ourselves and shaming and blaming ourselves or shaming and blaming others, it's like, what is the lesson that I am meant to learn through this season of my life, through the season of my growth? And the thing about leadership is there's always a next kind of level. And we live in this world like, oh, once I get there and once I hit six figures or once I have the book or once I have the TED Talk or, you know, once I have this many employees, then I'll be successful. There's a book, Mastery by William Glasser. One thing he talks about, I remember vividly, the idea of plateaus. We get to a certain level of achievement and we think, I've got it, I'm there. But then we forget that running on a ledge, running on a plateau, there's another rise coming up. And the truth is that this journey, as you said, is always about growth, that we get to a point, yes, we can rest for a bit. We can maintain for a few years at a certain level, but the next level is beckoning us. So you're going to be willing to go, you know what, let's, let's like suit up and let's climb the next hill and keep going up as part of the evolution. So yeah, this is good stuff. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, so I would love for you to share any final thoughts that you have with our audience today, as it's related to relationships, to leadership, what do you want people to take away from our conversation today? Um, actually, what came out right away was to let, to let own self be true, is that sense of being in integrity with yourself. 
every part of place you teach, you learn everything you're in, you're the only person you're really with ultimately the whole time. So being true to yourself, to your own values and discover what your values are. Because again, with integrity and transparency, we can navigate through the world in a way that is kind, compassionate, but also respecting ourselves with healthy boundaries. I mean, all the pieces of the puzzle that come together start with being true to yourself. So that one works for me. Yeah. Being true to yourself and really knowing who you are, knowing what your values are, um, knowing what you stand for as a leader. And I think this invitation to always be learning, always be growing. And my bold like homework assignment for you, if you want to take this into the world, is to ask the people around you for feedback. Are you brave and bold and willing enough to say, how could I do it better? And you could be specific. I would love for you to tell me three things that you love about me as a boss, as a leader, as a parent, as a partner. And one thing that like, if I did it better would help us be better together as a team in a partnership. And if you do this and you send me an email, I will personally send you a video message back because I think it's one thing to talk about these things on a podcast, another thing to listen to it. I'm glad that you're here listening. And it's another thing to be in action. And that is one thing that as a leader, I'm really passionate about. We can talk about these things, but it's like leadership is an action. It's not a concept. It's not an elusive idea. It's who you're being and how you're showing up every day. And if you are a leader that is committed to growth to learning and to being the best leader you can be, asking for feedback is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself and to those that you love and lead. So that's my bold move request for you. Where can people learn more about you and your amazing work in the world? Basically, all over social media and on my website is my name, so that's easy to find me. So just go barryselby.com or YouTube for Barry Selby or all the other platforms. Instagram is the real Barry Selby that got shifted because somebody took the old account. Um, I co-host my own two podcasts with two wonderful guests, the co-hosts that you find me on Apple Podcasts. So search for my name there. So the books on Amazon. So basically look for my name. I'm everywhere. Look for Barry. He's amazing. Check out his work. And I just want to thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your heart, sharing your love, sharing your leadership. And until next time, we will see you next week. All right, everybody. Take care. Peace. Thank you for joining us on another inspiring episode of the Marley Williams podcast. We hope you're leaving here with renewed energy and valuable insights to fuel your leadership, coaching, and speaking endeavors. I'd love to invite you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to help us reach more aspiring leaders and speakers like you. We have more exciting episodes and remarkable guests lined up, so make sure to tune in next time. Until then, keep leading with purpose, coaching with heart, and speaking with conviction. This is Marley Williams signing off. See you next week.